welcome to another edition of Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephant's podcast for the IT management community. to Practitioner Radio, episode number 32, Pink Elephants podcast for the IT management community. This is Chris Dancy, and I'm here with Mr. Hey, Chris, it's Troy. Hey, Troy. Troy, I feel a, I feel a disturbance in the force. I feel a presence in the room. I, 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 it's it's like, the, like the Ouija board is out of control. <laughs> do, do we have someone else with us today? Yes, we have the Graham Meister. How you doing, Graham? I'm doing just great. Yeah, yeah it's like the Funk Meister. All right, Gra- Graham Price, for lack of a, you know formality, one of our principal consultants at Pink Elephant, a colleague and coworker of mine. Does that make you feel better, Graham? That's better. That's much better. Yeah. Okay, good. And as famous as Troy, but not as dashing. <laughs> it's, it's just the mustache. <laughs> it, it is the mustache. It's the mustache. It's a, it's, 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 a, it's a dashing thing. Well, I have a mustache. <laughs> yeah, he does. That's true. Yeah. I've actually had it longer than Troy's had his, so... All right, you win the stash wars. (laughs) You do win this time. So uh, every now and then on Practitioner Radio, we've been fortunate to have some principals from Pink Elephant join us. I think we've had Jack. Martin. We had Martin. Martin on. Uh, Definitely Martin. Can't forget Martin. He's the only only real-life person that looks like he should be on money. And then I think we might have even had David on a long time ago. I don't know. But last week... Troy and I were talking and we thought, we need to start thinking about, like, can we get someone to help us understand project and how that kind of interrelates to IT? And we just need a good 30-minute show to kind of get us warmed up to start talking about some of these topics. And, of course, there's only one person on the planet we could think of, and that was you, Graham. (laughs) Okay. Yes. So specifically, Graham, the, the challenge we often get is, you know, the project management and the application development and the idle change and release. How does it all work together? As we know, there's a lot of turf wars that happen between these groups. And mm-hmm. this is a real struggle for a lot of our clients. How do you make these things work and dance? Yeah, that's an ongoing issue I've seen in, in, in countless organizations where I've gone in to help them work out their change management and release management processes, especially Project management seems to have evolved into a, a very separate uh, entity within most organizations, whether there's a PMO or not, and they feel that they don't need, quote-unquote, change management or release management because they've already got all their controls in place. And I think there's there's just a, a misunderstanding of what change management is versus what project management is from a, a holistic perspective. I think it also goes back, you know, you know how we have this concept of the development or pre-production groups and mm-hmm. production groups. Uh, Chris and I have talked about this before. A lot of times IT service management principles are brought in from the production or infrastructure part of the organization. And they're almost looked as, you know, those aren't our processes by the development or pre-prod groups. So there's this, that's your thing. We do something else. We do projects. We do app dev. And this, this real sense of us and them versus these things have to be synergistic. Exactly. That's a really good point, Troy. And it's compounded by those development groups and the applications folks that are, are using something like SDLC, right? Software Development Lifecycle or CMMI to do their development of their software. And while those approaches to to managing the work they do are very well conceived and they do represent best practice in their own right, uh, what's missing is that collaboration and coordination with the the operations folks to make sure that that all aspects of, of what they're trying to do are taken into account. So 
if the applications folks are looking at the functionality of the application and what the business requirements are, that's only part of the equation. The rest of it really is about, you know, how do I how do I get that application to perform to the level the business requires? That requires the infrastructure folks to be engaged, and that's where the big disconnect is, and that's, I think, where a lot of organizations really feel the pain between change and, and project management in that respect. So I was at a ITSMF meeting about a year ago, and we actually had someone talk about Prince2 versus, what's the other? The Pembok. Yeah, yep. one's English, one's U.S. And and one of the things that we talked about during them was the difference in certification and the difference in just just the ideas around it. And then we had someone come up and talk about their experience with ITIL. And, but the project manager person who did this presentation had never been exposed. So in his organization, they had no concept of service management or ITIL, or he was so far removed from anything that he just lived in the PMO office and never got out. You know, it's kind of just a scene setting. So, because you you see a lot of organizations, a lot more than I do nowadays. Which group knows more about the other? Is the, is the quick and dirty way to ask that question? Do more PMOs know about ITIL, or do more ITIL people know about project management as a discipline? I think that's a really tough question to answer. Practitioner Radio. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but I mean, is, is there a gut feeling you get? I mean, it seemed to me in our meeting that ITIL seemed to be kind of foreign to the PMO people. That's that's a fair statement, but there's also amongst the ITIL folks considerable amount of, of misunderstanding about what project management is and isn't. And even within project management, there's a bit of a misunderstanding about it as well. So when I ask folks what project methodology you're using, they point to the PMBOK and say, well, I'm a PMP and we use PMBOK. Well, hmm. The PMBOK is a collection of best practices around how to manage projects, just like ITIL is. It's a collection of best practices. Mm. But that collection of best practices has to be applied somehow. And, and that's where the methodology comes into play. And that's primarily the difference between the PMBOK and PRINCE2. PRINCE2 is a methodology that gives you a standard approach, right, consistent approach to applying the principles that you find in the PMBOK. So the two are very compatible. And so... Operations folks or, or, or quote-unquote, the ITIL folks um, quite often are, are under a misconception about what project management really is. They think of SDLC, uh, they think of CMMI, um, you know, they think of the PMBOK. So let's, let's pretend I'm an ITIL guy. <laughs> That's a big stretch. But let's really pretend I am. And, and you're, my, you're, my, you're my consultant, my go-to guy. Seriously, why do I even care about these project management people? I don't even understand what they do. What's the purpose? Projects are basically a means of introducing change into the environment. And usually it's significant change to the point that we haven't done this before. This is not a routine, day-to-day operational type change that we're used to doing. Because it's so foreign to us and so new to us, we need to use particular approach to managing the risk that we're about to introduce. And that's when projects get spawned because they don't know for sure what it's going to cost. They don't know for sure how it's going to work. They have to have a, a, a project plan that addresses all of the issues that they have to manage. Issues of scope, issues of risk, the quality issues, the resource requirements, and so on. It's not something that can be easily readily done in a normal operational activity. So project management introduces significant changes to the organization and to the environment that the IT folks are managing. And along with that, they introduce significant risk. 
And so for that reason, folks in production, in operations, need to understand what the project folks are doing uh, so they can take the, the required steps to understand the change, get out in front of the change, and actually help manage the risk around that change. So, Graham, you said a couple of key things here. Projects are just a, another type of change. It is. But in most times you see people who have the thing called change management and then they have this thing called project and they think they're two different things. Yep. But they're really talking the same language. One's saying tomato, one's saying tomato. We're just talking different types of change. Exactly. But these things aren't synchronized, right? It's like having many change processes that don't relate. Okay, d- dumb guy in the room question. When I think of IT change management, obviously I'm thinking of IT changes. Do project management offices ever tackle changes that don't involve technology? Well, any change has many aspects to it, right? Even what you call the technical IT change. Right. Um, really is more that people process technology. We just focus on the tech part. I guess, where do ideas for projects come from? Those ideas come from everywhere. They come from the business uh, with new requirements you know, for functionality. Mm-hmm. The business needs, for example, a new distribution channel or, you know, they want to introduce a new product line. They need new capabilities to support that. They're going to turn to IT and say, well, how can you help us do this? For example, if I wanted to start up an online sales channel, right? So over my website, right. it's been a static site up until now. I'm missing the boat on on selling my product on the website. So I want to make that happen. So how do I do that? Well, I'm going to turn to IT and ask them to make that happen. That's a major source of of changes that that are commissioned as projects. Other changes come from within IT itself. Uh, You need to refresh servers. In your hosting environment, you are woefully underperforming in terms of, of the services you're providing, and you need a lot more capacity than you currently have. So you're basically going to you know, roll in maybe 100, 200 new servers into your, into your data center, uh, or you're going to decide, you know what, we're going to outsource this and, and, and go to a vendor who can do this via the cloud through, you know, through provisioning our requirements that way. And whatever that is, those are significant changes, or one could argue major changes, that would spawn a project. So they can come from the business, they can come from within IT, and they can come from from the business in terms of, of the folks that are making all the strategic decisions for the business. They can also come from users who are requesting enhancements to existing capabilities and so on and so forth. So there's no limit to where they come from. So is project management reactive? Do they ever do anything like saying, hmm, we've got, and Troy and I talk a lot about uh, different roles of people and organizations, everything from service management offices to business relation managers to service owners. It sounds, but remember, I'm learning in real time in front of people. It sounds to me like project management's all reactive. We need this big thing done. Do they ever come up with the ideas themselves? I would, I would say the answer to that would be a qualified no. Okay. Yeah, they're really a mechanism, a delivery mechanism for what's been decided to be done somehow. That's right. Okay. But, you know, one thing I like to say here is that what people call the quote-unquote change management process is not the totality of an organization's change management system. That's interesting. The change management system in an organization is made up of lots of different things, everything from what we know as ITIL change management to project management. To I've got to develop a new application. Excuse me, I've got to add a form to an application. Mm or get a new report. I've got to move Mm. this guy from one cubicle to another building. I've got to uh, add a new user to an account. All of that's this macro concept of 
you know, I get, I need something, I get some kind of approval, I provision it, right? The order provisioning process. Systems of change. So that's a really interesting point, Troy. If I could illustrate that, you know, using ITIL terminology. So in service portfolio management and demand management in the strategy stage of the life cycle, decisions are made about what new services are required that IT needs to stand up for the business, needs to provide for the business. Once service portfolio management has done its analysis of current services and and where those those gaps are between current services and requirements the business has, they would effectively present a change proposal to change management, looking at the feasibility of what we're proposing to do in terms of a new service being introduced to, to our environment. The change proposal would receive the assessment from change management. They would assess the, the proposal. And assuming the proposal is accepted as being feasible, you would then produce a service charter which defines all the aspects of the new service. That service charter, in effect, is the trigger for the project plan to be start to put together. Let me put that, Graham, into more normal speak because that's the ITIL speak. Sure. And everything you said was yep. accurate, right? But what you called a change proposal was a, a business requirement potentially, yep. right, that got put into a business case that was being developed, that got chartered in a project plan, and the request for proposal was the project charter, right? So while it was called an activity of change management, we have to think about it in that macro sense of change management systems, because it's not that little process that you have for recycling servers that's evaluating that workflow. It's what most organizations would call their portfolio project management cycle. Mm. Precisely. So once the project has been commissioned, right, been chartered to get started, the project manager is then focused on the output. So what are they producing within the project plan? What is the outcome derived from that output? What's the capability we're going to provide? And finally, they have to focus on what the benefit is to the business. That's what the project manager is focused on in the project plan right? The output, the outcome, and the benefit to the business. That's no different than what change management process is concerned about in in an operational change. What's the output of the change? What's the outcome for the change? And what's the expected benefit of the change? Like, why are we doing the change? There's, the language is different. The perspective is a little different. But at the core, it's all the same thing. It's part of what Troy referred to as that change system that's in place. So it's not an us versus them at all. It's very much a highly collaborative type of, of approach that needs to be taken. So rather than think about, you know, who's the change manager that's going to approve things um, versus a project manager who's going to manage the project output, um, think change authority. And who has the authority right, to make decisions about the changes. Well, within the project, you could argue the change manager has a certain level of authority. Outside the project, a person who may be designated as a change manager role would have the authority. That authority sometimes could be the change advisory board, a group of people with change authority. Well, that's akin in in the project world to a steering committee, right, that would make large decisions within the context of a project. So they're all carrying out the same kinds of activities. They just tend to be using different language. And from my perspective, one real good way to to kind of keep it all straight is I think of of a a project management team that's been put together to deliver the project uh, product, the outputs, as a temporary functional group 
versus a permanent functional group like the server team or the applications development team. So you have functional silos around the organization. You've got the server guys, the network guys, the applications guys, the, the, the desktop guys. And then you have this temporary group called the project team. And if you think that from a, an ITIL perspective, ITIL processes, and in this case change management, is designed to flow across all those functional areas and enable those silos to be broken down so that communication and understanding and collaboration flows across all aspects of the organization, including the project team. When you were talking about the us versus them, something kind of jumped in my mind. Have you ever seen reasons around the concept of governance of why you you really should have a separate project team over a supercharged change team? Well, again, really, is the project team the supercharged change team? Well, that's the, yeah, I mean, that's kind that's, of... That's the real answer. <laughs> There's not, it's not one versus the other. Really, major changes should be, should be managed through a project methodology. But we don't have a project and a change process that somehow is separate and distinct. That's the error right there, is both think they're separate activities when they're really the same. That's what Graham's saying. Because what you call "quote unquote" change management is not is not the totality of what managed change is in your organization, right? We just have this narrow focus because of these these words we use. But there is another piece to this. Back to the people side, <laughs> I'm going to call you back to another show that you recorded with uh, uh, your other team. And I remember the DevOps show that you had a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how did you know about that? I listened to some of those shows. All right. Oh, okay. That's the, that's, that's the crazy show that I don't admit to in front of you. <laughs> I listen to that sometimes. <laughs> well, well, you know, this whole DevOps concept is, is, is building traction. Uh, I like what Matt Cooper said. Um, you have this DevOps concept that where it's pre-production, development, agile, project management, which are all code words for get it in fast, right? I've got all this yeah. demand behind me. I've got all the stuff I'm working on. i got to get this into production and fly back and get the next load and bring it in, right? Speed, speed, speed. Even though project management is supposed to be on time, on budget, with quality, that last one often, in my opinion, gets short shift. And then you've got this ITSM side that's trying to protect, protect, make sure it has value before it comes in, right? So you have the DevOps, how do we move things faster into production? And you have the ITSM folks saying, okay, wait, before you come across this line, did you brush your teeth <laughs> right, and go through your, your mental and physical hygiene? Right? You have this conflict of objective between these pre-prod groups and this production group. So there's really this us and them comes not back to even different philosophies of goal. Yeah. What would you say the philosophy of goal is for a PMO office? What's it supposed to be, Graham? You've got both the Prince2 and PMBOK certifications. Well, the, the project management office really is there to establish the standards that, that the organization is going to adhere to when it comes to managing projects. They're going to make sure that the project is, is managed from a, a physical or financial responsibility perspective, that the resourcing is, is adequate and made available, that there's admin support for the project right, in terms of, of being able to manage everything that, that needs to be done. But that's all stuff to get the project going. That's all to get the project going. What's the philosophy of project management, though? The philosophy of project management really needs to be that we're about introducing change to the organization in a way that best helps us manage the risk 
of that change. Who usually determines what the risk is in the project scenario? Uh, and this is not a trick question. I want to know in your opinion. Who defines production readiness? Yeah, you're on practitioner radio, so it's safe to actually explore this like out loud. It depends on it depends on the nature of the change, but I'm gonna say that the folks that have to figure out what the risk is are all the stakeholders. So you need to understand what the business risk is. Well, let's talk to the business and find that out. So you have a business analyst that's going to work with the business to find that out. Uh, What's the technology risk that we're facing? Well, go talk to the subject matter experts in the technology domains and ask them for their opinion about what the risk is. Okay, so this is the correct answer from Project Management 101. I I got that. And that's what what the the frameworks do say. But would you not admit in in your experience that the project manager is the one that says, it's time to go live now, we finished all the tasks on the projects, I say it's ready. They're, in essence, the last decider about go live. No, I don't think that that's been my my experience has been a little different than that. My experience has been that quite often the project manager is not heard and is overruled by the business drivers and by the steering committees. Okay, you're giving him a a get out of jail free card. (laughs) That is true. Basically, the the project manager has not believed that, you know, all the T's have not been crossed and the I's dotted. And so he's told to go live because... I like to think of him as the poor sap on the front of that train and it has to go in on time on budget, Yeah, right? Yeah, and, and that's a really good point, Troy, is, is on time on budget seems to overshadow the quality issues and the risk issues. And, you know, what I've heard project managers come back to me and say is, you know, I, I laid out all the risks and let them know that, you know, we really don't feel like we're prepared to go. Here's the risks of going live right now. And, you know, the steering committee has come back with, We'll accept the risk, do it anyway. And Pilot has just washed his hands. Yep, that's what happens. <laughs> that's scary stuff. And some of the people who listen to this show, I mean, this concept uh, is, is totally foreign to me. I mean, I, I have friends who work for big consulting companies and you know, they are project managers and they go to different companies and they help them manage products and stuff. And based on my limited exposure, so going to that one ITSMF meeting and then talking to you, I can see where like the guy off the street, you know, that's like me, will be like, really, it just, it sounds kind of not very awesome. You're not very like like it's a lot of uh, why. I mean, Troy and I explore so much about risk and and understanding the business and 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 you know this concept of a business relationship manager. This just seems like to be a whole nother level of uh, infrastructure that so far in the way you've explained it to me. Remember, it's a limited 30-minute show. just doesn't seem to be really needed. Well, but you asked another question earlier, like where does governance lie? Well, that's, well, that's why I was, I was hoping I was going to like save myself from having to make the statement I just made by asking that. So really, should the governance for going live be in the hands of the project system, and which is including all those value stakeholders you mentioned, Graham, right? Or should it be in a non-aligned group to that project that says – you have now, you know, passed the rights of introduction to production. Yes, you may now come forward. And that's what I, that's what I liked about exploring this topic was it kind of the separation of church and state for, for lack of a better term, that the project management group would keep its filthy paws out of this kind of crazy DevOps thinking and this crazy IT stinking thinking that, oh, we'll just move it to the cloud and not really think about the business. You know, it's almost like they are the governing super system for not 
doing stupid things. If they follow their methodology, that would be true. And if they weren't at that point where I've told you what the risks were, I now wash my hands, go forward, it's on you. Uh, Because in the end, the project manager is hired to deliver that value. He or she is not the one who's going to say it's ready to go live because there's a conflict of interest. But if the project management team ultimately isn't responsible for the success six months after it's done, I mean, the owners, you know, that sounds like a complete uh, eradication of of any type of stewardship in that project. I mean, who owns that? The benefit derived from the project that by rights should be tracked several months after the project is delivered ultimately belongs to the steering committee. Okay. I didn't know that. So the steering committee is made up, and I'm, I'm using general terms as opposed to Prince 2 terms here, but the steering committee basically is made up of senior people who represent the suppliers, in other words, the providers within IT that actually delivered the project product, right. and the users, so the senior users, which is represented by somebody representing the business interest, as well as a project executive who basically is you know, the champion and sponsor of the project. So those are the folks that ultimately have the ownership of the benefit that the business will derive and also any downside to the risks that may come to bear. Yeah, if, if anything goes wrong. Because if you think about a business, ultimately the chief executive officer is, is beholden to the board. He hires managers to do strategic things and the board is responsible to the stakeholders and and you know if you take a terrible example like wall street you know someone should have gotten fired very high up for for a lot of craziness that i'm related to this but if we come back down to kind of a micro level here ultimately if we've got a change or project team creating uh, you know and evaluating the risk to a business and then kind of handing off the technical pieces of that to one change system, and that might be the IT group, another change system, that might be the education group and the marketing group to get our customers ready. I just, something seemed weird when we said, like I heard someone say twice, they wash their hands. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird. I mean, why do we, why, why have we said that twice? You know, because there's levels of governance that it cannot be all in the hands of the project manager. Okay. There's the governance at the board level that you mentioned that IT must deliver the value that it's been hired to do. Uh, there's a government at the portfolio level that what gets into our portfolio, what moves out from legacy to retire has to be a, you know, a governance. There's the governance of the project, which is where Graham was going with all the things that would make a project successful, the resources, the roles, the money, the all of the above. Uh, then there's the governance of the production environment, the guardianship, which has to be another area of the change management system. Hmm. So there's tiered ownership and governance. It's not just a one size fits all. Gotcha. And it can't all be in the hands of the project manager. But in an organization whose culture is on build versus run, everything's a project and there's no run. Well, it's interesting because we have, we had this concept of change systems. Now you're kind of making me think that maybe there's a concept of governance systems that bridge everything and, you know, a, a hyper system within an organization. I should have asked this earlier, and it's a very simple question considering where we're at in our dialogue. Do projects ever get rid of things? Or are they always about creation? I would say, yeah, they do. Part of part of the project may be that, you know, we need to decommission things we're no longer using. That is part of the project plan. Yeah. You can't okay. build a new building on your site 
unless you get rid of the old building first. So we, we want to build a new building, but could a project team be put together because we're downsizing or we're shrinking to just get rid of things? I guess is my question. Data center consolidation projects, yeah. right? Yep. Desktop consolidation projects. We have exactly. been running them for a long time. All right. So this is, projects isn't always about adding more. It's also about making more efficient. It's a It's a change that is significant enough that we need a higher level of controls and governance around executing. Nice. Troy, I think I've changed my mind. I, I, I don't want to be a BRM anymore. <laughs> PM, is it? Yeah. So for, for the longest time, Graham, my, my desire was Troy had convinced me that secretly in my heart of hearts, I wanted to spend enough time on practitioner radio to become a business relationship manager. But I, I now, because of you, want to become a project manager. That's like going from the frying pan into the fire, Chris. <laughs> you should know me in my career. I'm not afraid of heat. Yeah, how much stress right. do you want in your life? <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, you know, Graham, we could talk about project management for six shows. We probably could. It's so interesting because it, I have a million things I want to talk to you about, but um, I don't really know how to say this to you. It's time for Troy. It, no, no, it's time for Graham's Thunderbolt Tip of the Day! All right. Well, the tip is simply that you need to think about change management, and I include projects in in my definition of change management. Change management is not something that is imposed on us by some external heavy-handed force. Change management is something we do as part of our day-to-day activities to manage risk within an organization. And where projects come into play is where we have significant levels of change that may introduce significant levels of risk and, as Troy pointed out, needs special handling and an an added degree of control put in place. And that's what the project plan is all about. So change is not something imposed on us. Change is something that we do as a means of, of managing risk. And as such, everybody plays a role and everyone contributes to how we're going to go about managing that change. Well, you have successfully managed the risk and controlled the variable (laughs) elements of this show today. You have brought great value to our micro-organization, and I thank you so much for the great information. Wonderful. Thanks for having me. Troy? We, 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 we need to do this more often. We need to get like more smart people in here. Yeah, this is good. Okay, everybody, we'll see you in two weeks for episode 33 of Practice Radio, Pink Elephants, podcast for the IT management community. Thank you, Graham. Thank you, Troy. Thank you, everyone. Talk to you soon.